How's everybody doing today? Y'all right? All right, praise God. Uh, so we're, we're continuing our series on the book of Ruth. Uh, we had an amazing um, Bible study on Wednesday. Uh, we went over Ruth 1 and 2 again. Um, and I guess the synopsis was after we discussed that is uh, we're going to start our series next month um, from the book of Judges. All right. Um, because as we begin to just go through the historical context of the scripture, we understood that Ruth fell during the time of the Judges. And then a lot of questions came up regarding the book of Judges. So we're going to deal with Judges uh, starting for the month of June. Um, <clears throat> also, a lot of folks was trying to cheat, but I told them that we was going to hold out for y'all that couldn't make Bible study because they were trying to get to chapter three on Wednesday. <laughs> so we held out. Um, I'm not going to say no names. Brittany, I'm not going to say no names. Yes, I ain't going to say no names. Kara, I ain't going to say no names. But it was a lot of folks asking a lot of questions about chapter three. And I said, no, I'm not going to touch chapter three till everybody's here. So I held out for y'all because I love y'all. So we're going to go to Ruth chapter three today. And then Wednesday night, we'll, we'll, if you have any questions, we'll go into a little more detail. Ruth chapter three, starting at the first verse. Uh, there's going to be a lot to unravel here today. So I hope you guys are okay. Y'all all right? We, go, we got a lot to unravel here. We got a lot to unravel. Um, so here we go. So before we go to Ruth 3, let's, let's just take our time for just a couple minutes. I notice when I take my time, you guys actually listen to me. So <laughs> I'm going to take my time for just a couple moments. So uh, we understand that Ruth happened during the time of the judges, like we just said a couple minutes ago. And during that time, there was a famine in the land. And what we found out uh, through just reading... Uh, some other commentaries, and we don't know necessarily if this is completely true or not, but some commentaries believe uh, that Ruth was written during the era of Gideon. And here, in, or not here, but in chapter 1, verse 1, it says that there was a famine in the land of Bethlehem, Judah. And a lot of times when we think of a famine, we think of a time where your crops aren't growing. We think of a time where the sun is just scorching the earth and it doesn't allow vegetation to happen. When we think of uh, of a famine, we think of a lack of resources or a lack of goods. Uh, but I don't know if you guys ever read the book of Gideon, but we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Uh, Israel had a famine not because of the lack of food, but because they were so wicked that God had given them over to the hands of the Midianites. And what the Midianites did was they would come in, wait for Israel's harvest, and then take it. So if you remember Gideon, when God spoke to Gideon, he was hiding in the wine press, trying to thresh some wheat because he was afraid that the Midianites would come in and take his harvest. So a famine sometimes is not necessarily the lack of, but sometimes it is the permission to for the enemy to take things when you're outside of the will of God. Mm. So a lot of times when we call it, we find ourselves in famine and we say my money's acting funny. It's not that you don't have a lack of money because you get a check every week. Oh, this, this is, that. no, no, it's not that there's a lack. What it is is that there's something that is taking what belongs to you, and there's something that is, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know the, the proper term for it, but it's basically just grabbing what's yours when it's your harvest. 
And the purpose is, or, or our purpose is, is we're supposed to sway away or pray for God to get rid of anything that's going to take our harvest when it's our season. So Elimelech now runs to Moab. He does not run to the city in Moab, but the Bible says he runs in the fields of Moab, which tells us that the Moabites didn't even want him there. He's dwelling in the outskirts of the main city of Moab. So it's as if though we're trying to go to New York City and they say, you can't come in, you got to stay in Newark. So they are not even, they left their land to basically go not even to the best portion of the Moabite land. And then we see something, you guys ready? Y'all got a little time? We see a lot of uh, 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 metaphoric and allegoric things going on here. You have Elimelech, who's the father. You have Naomi, who's the mother. You have Mylon and Shilion, who are their sons. You have Ruth, who is one of their wives. And then you have Boaz, who is the kinsman redeemer from the land of Bethlehem, Judah. Y'all with me? There's the father. There's the mother. There's the sons. There's the daughter-in-law. And all of them are symbolic to a big story. I'm saying all this to say something. I promise you I'm going to go somewhere in just a minute. I know I'm boring you guys. There's the father. There's Naomi. There's the two sons. There's Ruth. There's Boaz. The father breaks up through death, breaks up the covenant through death with the mother, Naomi, who symbolizes Israel. Israel breaks apart into twos. Remember after Solomon, there's the northern part, there's the southern part, which symbolize Milan and Shilion, sickly and wasting away. One of them was married to a Moabite Gentile by the name of Ruth, who symbolizes the Gentile church. And Boaz symbolizes Christ. Naomi introduces the Gentile church to Christ, but the person that has access to Christ does not want Christ, but the Gentile comes in and gets their portion. So there's a Seraphonician woman in the New Testament who comes to Jesus, and Jesus basically tells her that I have to feed the children first before I feed the dogs. And the Seraphonician, who is a Gentile, says, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table. What she's saying is that God is here not to just die for the Jews, but he's also here to die for all the Gentiles included. So now we get here to the third verse. And in the third verse, well, for the first, the first chapter and the second chapter, we see an issue here. We see that Naomi is stricken with fear. She's stricken with hurt. She's stricken with pain. She has lost her husband. She has lost her sons. Her life has been torn apart. She's been ripped away from her land that she's been born in. She's out here in Moab. Can you imagine losing your husband, your sons, and being in a strange place? Mentally where you are? Can you imagine mentally where Naomi is after she has lost everything? And now she's in a strange place. And now she has to find her way back to Israel, which is 75 miles on foot. 75 miles in your car, doing about 55 miles an hour is about an hour and 15 minutes. 
So imagine walking on foot, 75 miles. Now watch this. She didn't have no Air Force Ones. She didn't have no Jordans. She didn't have no New Balances. She had sandals, barefoot, and had to walk 75 miles back to Bethlehem of Judah. Can you imagine? So now she gets back home, and her name means pleasant. And then all the people come to greet her, and she says, don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. For the Lord has dealt his hand upon me in basically an unworthy way. Don't even call me that. Her situation has changed her whole position of life. Now she's looking not like the girl that everybody remembered when she left. And life has a way of doing that to you sometimes when you've been stricken with some tragedies. Y'all quiet in here. Sometimes people know you for having a good spirit and having a good heart, but every once in a while we all get punched in the gut with something. And it changes your disposition and people are looking for you to be the same person but they don't understand the pain that you're dealing with that's changing your attitude. Naomi is now stricken with fear, but she connects with a woman who's a Gentile, who's an unbeliever, but has enough faith to trust in her God, even when her faith is limited. Mm. And that's why it's so powerful that we always connect with somebody that still has faith when our faith is a little limited. So now she connects with Ruth, and when she connects with Ruth, Ruth gets to Bethlehem, Judah, and immediately begins to work. The Bible says that she goes to Naomi in two and one and she asks for permission. Can I go and glean in the fields? She gets that from Leviticus 23 and 22, because in Leviticus 23 and 22, I know I'm rehashing a lot, but I want to make sure you understand the third chapter before I get there. In Leviticus 23 and 22, the Bible says for that when the people begin to get their harvest, whatever is left over, leave it there so that the poor can pick it up. So Ruth had the opportunity by picking up whatever scraps were left. But the fact that she had enough faith to believe in Leviticus 23 and 22, it led her to her destiny, which shows us that the obedience to God's word will always lead you to your destiny. Amen. I'm going to say that again. We're going to put that on Instagram. Obedience to God's word will always lead you to your destiny. Y'all like how I added that in there. So now she's being led into the field of Boaz, and Boaz becomes her protector. Boaz becomes her comforter. Boaz now gives her things that she would not have gotten if she was disobedient to the word of God. Now watch this. Now, after she connects with Boaz, she goes back to Naomi with all of these bushels. Naomi says, where do you get that from? She says, I got it from Boaz. And then it clicks to Naomi, Boaz is one of our relatives. Yeah. He can help us redeem our land. So now we get to the third chapter. Now watch this. For the first two chapters, Naomi's confidence has been destroyed. For the first two chapters, every time we heard of Naomi, she was depressed. For the first two chapters, every time we read of Naomi, Naomi was down. Naomi was bitter. Naomi was tired. But now after Ruth has connected with destiny, it's revived Naomi. <laughs> That's why you have to watch your attitude because sometimes your faith is giving somebody else faith. Y'all quiet here. Amen. People are watching you. People are looking at you. And you don't even understand that sometimes you're inspiring people with your faith. And now she's looking at Ruth 
And she's inspired by Ruth's faith. And now she's trying to give Ruth some instructions on how to get Boaz. We're going to work this text. Y'all with me? Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, shouldn't I find security for you so that you will be taken care of? Watch this. You have been taking care of me this whole time. Now I want to make sure that you're taken care of. I want to make sure that you have gotten rest. Because watch this. Naomi was so stricken with fear that Ruth was going out to Boaz Field every day, plucking the harvest, not only to take care of herself, but to take care of her mother-in-law. So now the mother-in-law says, let me try to be a blessing to you because I recognize how much of a blessing you've been to me. So she says, my daughter, shouldn't I find security for you so that you will be taken care of? Now, isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working in his field with his female servants? This evening will be winnowing barley on the thre- well, He will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Now, watch this. The winnowing of barley is when you take up your, 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 your crops, you throw it up in the air. And whatever is no good flies away, and all the good stuff lands. So what he's doing is he's, watch this, he's separating the good from the bad. (laughs) Y'all with me? Boaz is separating. He's throwing up his harvest. He's throwing up his, 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 I don't want to call it hay. He's throwing up his barley, and all of the hay and all of the, the unnecessary things are so light that they begin to flow with the wind and everything that is of substance falls back down and stands, which is symbolic of the New Testament, as Venice Davis said, is separating the wheat from the tear. It's when God separates what can stand under pressure and then whatever doesn't stand, he knows because it doesn't come back down. Now, I told you, Boaz symbolizes what? Christ. Now, what she's saying is when he goes to winnow his barley, he's going to be separating, watch this, the good from the bad. Go down to the threshing floor. No, no, no. Wash, put on perfumed oil, and wear your best clothes. We're going to work with this. Wash, put on perfumed oil, and wear your best clothes. Close. I, I, didn't, I didn't see this text preached so much out of context that it frustrates me because what they're trying to insinuate, a lot of preachers, is that she's showing Ruth how to be fresh. <laughs> Wash, put some perfume on, get some clothes. And when he see you, girl, child, he going to want you. I didn't heard that preached. That's not what this text is saying. She's not trying to teach her how to seduce him. And even if she's teaching her how to seduce him, God has a way of making things right. We're going to go somewhere in a minute. You with me, Britt? I promise you, I'm going to speed it up in a minute. He, he, he now, t- she tells her to wash. I'm, I'm t- I promise you, I'll make some sense with this in a minute. Wash, anoint, clothe. Wash, anoint, clothe before you go see Boaz. Before you go see Boaz, before you go see who typifies Christ, make sure that you're washed, make sure that you're anointed, and make sure that you're clothed. (laughs) 
What are you saying? What are you saying? There was a man by the name of Nicodemus who came to Jesus and says, how can I be born again? He says, unless you are both baptized of water and of spirit, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. In order for Ruth to go to the king, she has to be washed. She also has to be baptized in the spirit. And she also has to wear her best clothes. Watch this. Because prior to this, she was wearing mourning clothes. Prior to this, she was wearing widower clothes. Prior to this, she was wearing clothes which symbolized her condition. But Ruth is, or Naomi is saying, if you're going to go in the presence of the king, you got to change your countenance. You got to take off your garments of mourning and put on your garments of praise. Who am I talking to in here today? You just can't come inside of his face with any type of countenance, but he has to recognize that you're about business when you get. So you got to wash, you have to anoint yourself, and then you got to put on your robe of righteousness or your garments of praise before you go into the presence of Boaz. Are y'all with me today? Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let no man know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. Now watch this. I told you this is possibly during the time of Gideon. And what did I tell you that the Midianites did? They would steal their harvest. So what the people would do during that time is to make sure that their harvest wasn't stolen is they would sleep on it. They would celebrate God's blessings because remember, they just experienced a famine. And then at the end of the night, they would get drunk and merry and they would lay on their harvest to protect it, to make sure that no one would come in and take what they worked so hard for. So what Ruth, Naomi is telling Ruth is to go up there because that's where he's going to be. He's going to be protecting his harvest. Watch this. He's going to be protecting the wheat. <laughs> he's going to be protecting his sheep. He's going to be protecting his people. That's the kind of God we serve. He's not just going to leave us after he reaches us, but he's going to reach us, lay on us, and protect us. Y'all missing it here. Am I talking to somebody here today? Am I going too deep? Am I going too deep? So I know where he's going to be. He's going to be protecting his people. Go up there where he's protecting his, his wheat or his barley. So when he lies down, notice the place where he's lying. Go in, uncover his feet, and lie down. Then he will explain to you what you should do. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything, and her, her mother-in-law had instructed her. After Boaz ate, drank, and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end pile of the barley. Then she went and secretly uncovered his feet and lay down. Now there are certain translations of the text that goes beyond uncovering his feet. It actually means that she, not, we don't know, but there's certain translations uh, like the Chaldean where it says that she actually uncovered his, 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 his parts. I'm trying to keep it as clean as possible. But that's not, that's not, that's not where we're going. Uh, but I need to make sure I address that. Because that's not, that's not the purpose of this text. Y'all with me? After Boaz, hold on. After Boaz had ate, drank, and was in good spirits, he went out to lie down at the end of the pile of Harvey, Har, Har, barley. Then she went and secretly uncovered his feet and lay down. The Bible says she uncovered his feet. She uncovered his feet. At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and there lying at his feet, was a woman. 
So he asked, who are you? I am Ruth, your slave, she replied. Watch this. Spread your cloak over me, for you are a family redeemer. The title of this message, and I don't know if we put it up, is, uh, is um, I forgot the name of it. No, 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 no. Uh, what is it? Something about him. You know, you got to give something a title. It's, but the, the, the title of this message is a touch, of, a touch from him, a touch of him, a touch of him, H-E-M, a touch of him. Y'all ready, y'all ready to walk through the Bible for just a couple minutes? I, I know I'm slow today, I promise, but this ain't one of those messages I can holler. During the, the, the Old Testament, the measure of your authority was on your garments, you guys ever see a military guy, and, and he has all, all that decoration all over him? Y'all, y'all seen that before? But in the Old Testament, their decoration was at the hem of their garment, which symbolized their authority. Y'all with me? It symbolized their authority. So when, you walk, when a person would walk, you would know their authority based off of what was on the hem of their garment. There was some type of, and embroilery, there was some type of stitching that would let the people know what this person's status was. Yeah, with me? So in, in 1 Kings 24, or not the 1 Kings, 1 Samuel, the 24th chapter, uh, around the 5th verse, the Bible says that King Saul uh, is chasing after David. Y'all remember that? And when he's chasing after David, the Bible says that David goes and hides in the cave, and Saul doesn't know that he's there. And the Bible says that when Saul goes to release himself to use the bathroom, that David comes from behind him and cuts his skirt, cuts the hem of his garment to show that I could get access to the person with the most authority in Israel. It was a power move. And then when you go down a couple verses later, the Bible says that David became convicted because he touched, he touched the Lord's anointed. <laughs> Y'all with me? Uh, Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died. I know y'all know that one. I too saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And we just use that as glory. Hallelujah. But it's more than that. Because what did I tell you the garment symbolizes? Authority. So what the text is really saying in Isaiah 6 is that when his train filled the temple, it was symbolic of God had complete authority over the temple. Which means that the church was all about him. When his garment filled the whole temple, what it was saying is that the church is subject to all of his authority. Y'all remember Matthew 5? There was a woman with the issue of blood who had suffered with this issue for over 12 years years and she heard that Jesus was coming by because she wasn't even on his agenda Jesus was actually on his way to touch Jarius daughter who was a 12 year old girl who was sick unto death but this woman made it a mission to get to Jesus and she said but if I could just touch the what him of his garment I will be made 
whole, which means that if I give him the complete authority over my body, then my body will be made whole. See, one of the problems that we have is that we don't give God complete authority in our life. But the moment you give God complete authority in your life is the moment everything becomes made whole. When you get out of the way, when you get your mind out of the way, when you get your plans out of the way and you reach out and say, God, I'm giving you complete authority. It's when God can take complete control over your life. Let's go a step further. Ezekiel, the 16th chapter. Y'all might need, y'all might need to turn there. Ezekiel, the 16th chapter. I'll show you something. Ezekiel 16 and 8. Y'all like, where is Ezekiel at? <laughs> Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Major prophet. Y'all there? Ezekiel 16 and 8. This is the first time when, like, back in the day, I'd be like, somebody read for me. But no, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> this is God talking to Israel, his adulterous wife. But watch what he says. You with me? Then I passed by you and saw you, and you were indeed at the age for love. So I spread, this is God speaking. So I spread the edge of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. Meaning that I've become your covering, I've become your authority. Does this make sense? I covered the edge of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I pledged myself to you. Entered into covenant with you. This is the declaration of the Lord God. And you became mine. I washed you with water, rinsed off the blood, and anointed you with oil. Watch this. I washed, what? You with water. I rinsed off your blood. And what did he do? And then 10th verse. Stop there. Naomi told Ruth to do what? Wash. Anoint. And clothes. And look at what God says he did to Israel. I washed, I anointed, I clothed, and I covered. Y'all, y'all missing it. This is God in Ezekiel 16 reliving what happens. In and I did not just come here for you to cover me. But before I even came to you, I made sure that I was washed, anointed, and clothed so that you would cover me. Mm. Y'all with me? So then he said, uh, may the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Watch this. What he's saying is you didn't get caught up in your agenda. <laughs> you didn't get caught up in what you thought looked good. You didn't get caught up in your plan. You got caught up in what led you to your destiny. You stayed focused on the word. Watch this. Even, oh man, because y'all ain't going to want to hear this. Even with what you see may not be physically what you want. Now, I'm not saying this to y'all to marry nobody ugly. I want y'all to take this the wrong way. But what I'm saying is, she did not marry Boaz based off of looks. I know y'all like, I'm going to find my Boaz. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. 
Boaz was an old man. She was a young girl. But she understood the purpose of redeeming the land for Naomi. Now, she could have came back to Israel and married a younger man and started all over for herself. But she understood that her purpose was beyond her. Her purpose was to bring dignity back to Naomi's family. And she doesn't get caught up into what. (laughs) She's a Moabitess, y'all. We talked about this in Bible study. Uh, Numbers, the 25th chapter, the the Moabite women were known for being seductive. They were so seductive in in Numbers 25 that the Bible says that the men of Israel prostituted themselves. This this is, y'all look it up. I ain't making it up. Those those girls were some bad girls. (laughs) The Moabite women were so seductive that they turned the men of Israel out. God had to start killing them. I don't know what the Moabite women did. So what, what Boaz is saying is, I know your pedigree. I know if you wanted to, you could have got anybody you wanted. But obviously, your plan is bigger than your eyes. Whew. So you have shown more kindness now than before because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Now, don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say since all the people in my town know you are a woman of noble character. Watch this. Her integrity showed all the time. Which means that he didn't look at her as trying to be seducive. So we're reading the text out of context if we're trying to take the text that way. Because Boaz would have never seen it. Because actually, if Boaz was a man of God and a man of character and she tried to attempt to do that, Boaz could have had her stoned by the law. But because she was a woman of noble character, remember, this is the same woman that went out in the fields, didn't start no problems. This is the same woman that he said, protect her in chapter two. This is the same woman that he said, cover. This is the same woman that he gave stalks to. This is the same woman that he provided for. This is a woman of noble character. So it tells us that she's not trying to use her seductive spirit. She's just trying to get covered so that she can be in the family of God. Yes, it is true. I am your family redeemer. Watch this. But there is a redeemer closer than I am. I want to redeem you, but... uh. You got some family that's closer. There's some historians that teach that Naomi was unaware that Boaz had another brother. And he had to, she had to actually go to Boaz's brother to redeem the land. <laughs> we'll talk about this next week. Y'all say y'all got time, so I'm going to talk for just a couple seconds. Um, Genesis 38. And I know I'm repeating myself to some of y'all that's been here every week. There was a man by the name of Judah. Y'all remember Judah? Judah had three sons. Ur, Onan, what was the last one? (laughs) Shelah, I'm just playing. She was here Wednesday. Ur, Onan, and Shelah, right? They lived in the land of the Hittites. Judah, and I want to get into all that. Judah left his family and went to another land, married a strange woman, and had three kids. This is Genesis 38. And they marry, the oldest son marries a girl from that land, and her name is Tamar. 
Tamar marries the oldest son, Ur, but Ur, the Bible says, is evil in the sight of the Lord, and God kills him. Now, according to the law of Moses, if the brother dies and he has another brother, the brother that is alive has to sleep with his deceased brother's wife to have a seed in the oldest brother's name. The devil is, a, I'm so glad for grace. <laughs> but in that time, because having children was that important, that the younger brother would have to sleep with his older brother's wife to have a seed for the older brother who was no longer here if they didn't have kids before he died. Selena is like, this is too much. Y'all like, this is just too much. <laughs> so Ur dies. Onan don't want to do it. So he dies. Now Judah got one son left. And he says, look, 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 look uh, Tamar, um, he a baby. So you go back over there, and I'm going to call you when he gets 18. And I'll make sure that he gives you a baby for Ur. But uh, she's looking across town, and he's 18, and he's 19, and he's 20, and he's 21, and he's getting older. And she recognizes that Judah sold her a bag of lies. So what does she do? Watch this. She finds out that Judah has some issues. He goes to a side of town that he shouldn't be at. And he likes to lay with prostitutes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pretend I'm a prostitute. And I'm going to go lay with Judah. This is in the Bible. I'm not making up this stuff, y'all. She goes and lays with Judah, his daughter-in-law, lays with him, has a seed, and goes away. She pops up eight months later, fully showing. Judah's excited now because now he ain't got to give his youngest son over to her. So he's like, yeah, uh -huh, I told you. Let's stone her. And she says, uh-uh. She went in her pocket and pulled out a signet that belonged to Judah and said, remember this? And she said, not only am I pregnant, but I'm pregnant with twins, and they're yours. Ain't that, ain't that crazy? <laughs> Y'all want to see what's so crazy about that scripture? I know I'm talking a lot today, but we're going to. Y'all want to know what's so crazy about that scripture? Is that when you go to Matthew 1, there's four women in Jesus' genealogy. And the first one named is Tamar. Mm. Second one's name is Rahab. Rahab had a son named Boaz. <laughs> Boaz marries a Moabite. Mm. Two generations later, there's a man by the name of David. He eventually marries another man's wife named Bathsheba, who was married to Uriah the Hittite. There are four Gentiles in the blood line of Jesus Christ which means that all of this crazy stuff that happened was all part of the design and the will and the plan of God. 
And sometimes we have things in our life that happen that don't make sense. There's some twists and turns in our family trees, and we all got them. But it all had purpose to get you here. So the purpose of Boaz is like Judah in Genesis 38. Boaz's assignment is to marry Ruth to save the name of Amalek, Malon, and Shilion, who died back in the first chapter. That's where we get the word kinsman redeemer. He becomes our kinsman redeemer. Now watch this. Christ is our kinsman redeemer. Because when we sin, we walked away from our inheritance of paradise and eternal life. But when Christ came and he married the church, we now have that relationship now back to gain access to our inheritance. Am I talking too much? Yes, it is true that I am a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. Stay here tonight and in the morning. If he wants to redeem you, that's a good idea. I mean, that's good. Let him redeem you. But if he doesn't want to redeem you, watch this. As the Lord lives, I will. Now lie down in the morning until the morning. Look at the, look at the promise she's given. Either way, she's going to be redeemed. <laughs> Either way, and we're going to deal with we're going to deal with that next week. Either way, she's going to be redeemed. So she lay down at his feet until the morning, but got up while it was dark. Then Boaz said. Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. Watch this. I don't, I don't want your reputation scarred. Because if they see you around here, they're going to assume you was doing that Moabites and stuff. But I want to save your integrity. Because I know the kind of person that you are. Then Boaz says, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he told Ruth, bring the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she held it out, he shoveled six measures of barley into her shawl, and she went into the town. Watch this. Whenever you have an encounter with God, you never leave empty. Amen. I'm not done yet. I'm going to work this text for just a minute. Whenever you have an encounter with Jesus, you never leave empty. Can I go a step further? How many measures of barley did he give her? Six measures of barley. Watch this, which symbolizes six days of meal, which basically tells her, I'm giving you a time limit on which I will have an answer. <laughs> Meaning I'm not just throwing something at you telling you to get out of here. I'm giving you a specific amount that by six days, See, this is when I would go Pentecostal and just, in six days, somebody getting rid of y'all. No, we ain't going to do that. That's, what, that's for this text. That ain't for this. That ain't for us. You got to be careful. Because, you, you know, I've heard stories of people walking around things seven times and they ain't get it. That was God's instruction to Israel for Jericho. That wasn't your instruction. God told you to pay your bills. <laughs> Are we going to front in here now? <laughs> You take the text out of context, and then you mad at God. God said, I told Israel, dude, I didn't tell you to do that. I'm going to go jump in the creek like Naaman and get healed of this, this, this skin rash, and you're going to get a worse one. <laughs> you know, we got to stop that stuff, you know. So this is for Ruth. This ain't for y'all. Don't y'all think in six days y'all going to get a husband. 
But what he, <laughs> what he does is he gives her six days because watch, on the seventh day, on the seventh day, what do they do? Rest. So what he's saying is, I will not rest until I get you an answer to your request. <laughs> Y'all quiet. And that's how God works for us. For the God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. He will not rest until he meets every demand and every need that we have, that we offer up to him in our petitions and our prayers. Are we, am I a little slow today, y'all? He gave her six measures of barley, and he says, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Naomi said, my daughter, wait until you find out how things go. For he won't rest. Watch that. Say, look what she said. For he won't rest unless he resolves this today. She even knew what that meant when he came with the six barleys and gave it to her. She knew that he was a man of his word. Numbers 23 and 19 says, For God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hath he and shall he not? Hath he, and shall he not? He's a God of promise. And what we have to understand is that if God gives you a promise like Boaz gave Ruth, you can stand on it, you can trust it, you can believe it, you can worship when folks think you crazy, but you better believe, and when the time comes to pass, it's going to come to pass because God cannot lie concerning his promises. I'm finished, y'all. We just did the whole chapter. <laughs> so, I don't have any points today, but I'll just make some up. <laughs> Point number one your faith can sometimes increase another person's faith because you never know who's watching you. Number two. We need to look for God's authority in every part of our life. When Ruth asked him to cover her with his, with his garment, what she was asking is to, for him to take complete authority over his life. When we go to God, we can't go to God with our own solutions. We can't go to God telling him what he's going to do. Y'all God, I need you to do this right now. And he's looking, y'all, do you talk to your mama like that? Mom, you better open this door. <laughs> you have to now put God in complete authority because remember, Ruth came with a plan, but God shifted the plan only to show that he was in complete control. So when we go to God, we have to, our prayer has to be not thy will, not my will, but let thy will be done. And I know that is one of the hardest prayers to pray. I know y'all... Maybe y'all more saved than I am. But sometimes I don't know what his plan entails, so I'm like, God, um, <laughs> I, I need you to um, open this door, like, by next week if you can, because I love you, and you know. You know, you know I, I try to, you know, pray that my will is aligning with his when I ask him. But when we pray, we have to ask for his complete authority. And number three, when you go into the presence of God, Brittany's like, mm. number three, when you go into the presence of God, you never come out empty-handed. When you go into the presence of God, you never come out empty-handed. That does not mean money. Some of y'all are like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't mean money. I don't want y'all just praying for money. But I mean, you'll come out with answers. 
You want to know something else that you might come out with that we take for granted? You come out with strength. Because he may not answer you, but he'll give you the endurance to maintain till he gets you to your destiny. So you never leave empty-handed. So when we pray and we walk away and we feel like nothing happened, something happened. He just gave you enough strength to continue on your journey. And sometimes, you know, he may bless you financially. Sometimes he may open that door and, you know, that promotion happens faster than you expected. You know, money shows up that you didn't know you had. But, <laughs> but sometimes God will do things that we don't expect just by giving him complete authority in our life. I'm finished, y'all. Thank y'all. So we're going to complete um, Ruth chapter 4 next week. We're going to we're going to rehash and go over chapter 3 this Wednesday in Bible study. Um, for any questions, concerns, we're going to really dissect a little more. Um, I think I laid it out a little bit for y'all today, but um, I seen last week we dissected chapters 1 and 2 even the more on Wednesday night. So I think somebody's going to come in here and stir the pot, Yasmin, um, with chapter 3. So we'll finish that on Wednesday night. Um, we have someone that's joining our Hope Haven family, y'all. We're going to ask her to stand at her feet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Make some noise. <laughs> we are so happy to have her. She has been a supporter from day one, has blessed, um, she ain't going to make me cry here, but from, from the Fearless Fridays to our, um, what do you think we did at the mall with the, what do you call it, the game night, to coming here every Sunday, um, you know, I'm just blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. <clears throat> so we know she's no stranger to... God, so we don't have to take her through no, you know, course, you know, what do you call it, growth track or anything of that sort. She knows who Jesus is. We know that she does the work of an evangelist, um, and we want to get her working, functioning as a body member of Hope Haven Church. So we'll be, she and I will sit down, we'll talk. I have some things that I'm praying on, and I thank God that you'll really fit well in. And uh, we'll talk and, you know, we'll see where the Lord is leading you and we'll go from there. But in the meantime, we're going to get a certificate if we can, have uh, get that signed off for you. Hopefully we'll have it by next Sunday or the Sunday after for you, okay? All right. <laughs> Praise God. That's right. Give her a hug. Welcome her to the family. That's right. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> All right, so we're going to have a word of faith, a word of prayer. I believe this is just the beginning of many. Amen. God's going to continue to send people in, and, um, you know, we're going to do what we came to do, what we've been called to do. I'm excited. Um, still excited. I have not lost my fire. Uh, we got a lot to do, and we're going to do it. 
And um, you guys are here at the right time to witness what God is doing in our humble beginnings. Praise God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day, God. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity just to share the word, God. God, we thank you, Lord, for just opening our eyes and the scriptures on today, God. We ask, God, that you touch our hearts and touch our minds, God. We pray, God, that there was some type of understanding and gaining of wisdom through the scriptures on today, God. We ask, God, that you cover us, God. God, teach us, God, how to lean completely in your authority and under your plan and under your way, God, even when we don't understand, even when it's hard, God. Just give us the strength to endure, God. We pray, God, that as we go into your presence, God, that you just fill us, God, with all the necessities that we need. And, God, we thank you, Lord, for the new body that has joined, the new member that has joined our body here at Hope Haven, God. We ask, God, that you continue, God, to grow us, God. Continue, God, to bless us, God. Continue, God, to use us so that we can be a beacon of light in this community, God. And we thank you and we give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.